that song, church, reminds us of our purpose. Right? Purposeful living. We're going, we're going in the right direction. We're going that way. We're walking with Jesus. And what a blessing it is. It's great to see each of you here this evening, both members and visitors alike. Let's go together to God in a word of prayer, please. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and awesome name. We come to you humbly, thanking you for this day that you've given to us in all the days of our lives. Thanking you, Lord God, for your great blessings, the blessings that we find in Christ Jesus, all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, the blessings of this life in the physical, in the flesh. Thank you, Lord God, for being so good to us. Though we find in ourselves that we're not as good to you as you are to us, regardless of how we've lived our lives, regardless of the direction the world turns, oh God, it's good to know that you never change. Help us, please, to pattern our lives after your mind, to live for you, to love you, to honor you in all that we say and do. Help us to make that transformation of mind, Lord God, from the physical to the spiritual, so that you come first in all things. And bless us tonight as we worship you. We pray, Lord God, that our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Bless us, Lord God, to lift up your name and lift up the name of Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray and thank thee to be thy will. Amen. We're going to Job, please, chapter 14. Kind of an odd topic, but the, the topic is part of the, the series that we started, the end game. And tonight, the game, or the, the, the um, what is it called? The title, if you will. Sorry. You ever played that game before? The game of, of, of sorry? Yeah. All right. Let's, let's talk about that for, for just a moment. Because the objective of this game, I had to Google all this, is to be the first player to get uh, all four of their colored pawns from the start place around the board to their home space. And the goal is to make it home, right? Because home in the game, if you played it, right, is safe. So you got to, I don't want to get into all that because, you know, I start playing the game in my mind. Safety is at home, all right? The goal is to make it to base, and that's, that's where you want to be. But something that this game does, now let's think about life for a moment, is it reminds us quickly that it's impossible to go through life without collateral damage. You're going to be hurt, right? And I want to talk about being hurt even in the game. But Job 14, verse 1 says, Man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Like a flower, he comes forth and withers. He also flees like a shadow and does not remain. And that's exactly true, right? Let's turn to Psalm, if you will, uh, chapter 39. And coming from Job, Job and his, his circumstances and situations of life, and he says, you know, you're not going to come out of this thing without some collateral damage. And then in Psalm 39 and verse 5, it reminds us of, of really kind of how we fit in. And he says, man, in 39.5, Behold, thou hast made my days as handbreadths, and my lifetime as nothing in thy sight, Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. I mean, that's humbling, isn't it? I mean, we, we start putting people on pedestals and, no, you got to be knocked down. The best that we are is just a mere breath. That's it. 
And so here we're here today, we're, we're gone tomorrow. The game of sorry teaches us there's no way you're going to go through life without some kind of collateral damage. So, so in this game, moving from point A to point B without incident is nearly impossible. And you've got these opponents out there, and your opponents are also trying to win. And so when you're going around the board, if someone's in your space, you know, you go and you get that number, you can bump them, right? And so you, you bump them all the way back. Right to the start place, back to home, and so there are opponents out there who would love the opportunity, and I might I might have been one of them, to land on your spot and send you back home, back to the the starting place. And I'm going to come back to that one because that one brings out emotion, right? Because I've been bumped before and I didn't really like it too much. All right, but it reminds me of the feeling of. Um, uh, you know, you're doing things right, and you're trying to serve the Lord, you're trying to live your life. Maybe you're not even a Christian, but you're trying to do right things and move forward in your life. And you, we come about with this saying that someone said, it feels like my life is like this. Every time I take one step forward, I end up what? Taking ten steps backwards, right? That's kind of what this game reminds me of in certain instances in people's lives. So I want to go to Exodus for just a moment. Exodus uh, chapter too. So it's like, I'm thinking about Moses, right? Moses finally woke up. He woke up and he's like, wait a minute, you know, these people, the Egyptians are hurting my brethren. Th- these are my brethren and I-, I need to do something about this pain they're causing. So he was moving or running finally in the right direction. And then chapter two, verse 11 happens in his life. Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that. And when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And he went out the next day. And behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the offender, why are you striking your companion? But he said, who made you a prince or judge over us? Are you intending to kill us as you killed the Egyptian? So then Moses, excuse me, then Moses was afraid and said, surely the matter has become known, right? Some, sometimes we think everyone understands things the way that we do or sees things the way that we see them. As we've gone through our life and our struggles, Moses just woke up, right? And so he's thinking everyone must see it the way I see it. We're brothers, right? Brothers don't hurt brothers. Well, that's not true, is it? Unfortunately. And so Moses, in verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of this, of the matter, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. And so he had to flee for his life. And this is one of the reasons maybe that God says to us in Galatians, he says, um, do not grow weary in doing good, right? Now you do good and you get beat up for it. So what do we come up as a worldly saying? No good deed goes what? (laughs) <laughs> Isn't that funny, right? Because we know that. We know that we're horrible people. We, why do you punish the good people? Right? Well, I don't know, but that's just kind of uh, where we are. So Moses was going in the right direction, and, and, and then he found himself standing against, um, against what life brings, if you will. Now think about Saul. Let's turn to Acts 26. Saul had lots of zeal. He was excited about what he thought he knew. He had zeal without knowledge, if you will, as the Bible might call it. And, and as he was going on his way, he thought it was his job and his responsibility to persecute 
uh, the church. Anyone that was going against Judaism, right? All right, now, he was running, but he was not making righteous progress, right? He was making progress. It wasn't the right kind. Look, if you will, verse 8, Acts 26. Why is it considered incredible among you, you people, if God does raise the dead? So here he's defending himself before Agrippa. So then, I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogue, I tried to force them to blaspheme and being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. This kind of shows you that, that even though Saul thought he had it together, he was trying to force God's people to blaspheme God, which we know is a sin based on the Old Testament. Why would you do that? Well, you see, he, he kind of lost it, right? He lost it in his, in his zeal for knowledge as he was going in the wrong direction. God set him back because he needed a moment to think about what exactly it was that he was doing. Let's pick this up in verse 12. While thus engaged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when he had uh, fall, all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But arise and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things which I will appear to you. Delivering you from the Jews, the Jewish people, and from the Gentiles, of whom I am sending you. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God in order that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So now, what did God do? God sent Saul backwards, if you will, for him to reevaluate his life. That's, that's all right, isn't it? It's all right if you're going to go back and reevaluate your life and think things through. So taking 10 steps backwards to reevaluate isn't, isn't necessarily bad, right? So we got to find out and think about how in life we can keep things in the proper uh, perspective. Sometimes we need God to stop us, all right? Sometimes we need God to stop us, slow us down send us in the other direction. We just need God's help. Now, in this game, there's this card called the sorry card. And, and I want to tell you about the sorry card. It gives the player uh, the power to send any person, right, any opponent, back from wherever they may be, all the way back to the starting part. You ever, you ever played the game and someone used a sorry card? You were at the very end. You only had one, one space to go. 
and they, and they hit you with a sorry card, and you got to go all the way back to start and start over again, and that brings up emotions, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And then, and then you may, I don't know, Matthew 27, please. You, you may begin to feel like, I know I remember feeling this way, like, hey, you stabbed me in the back. You know, <laughs> there was a time when I could have used my sorry card, and sometimes it's about getting revenge, right? It's a fun game, but I don't know, you got to think about that. You ever felt stabbed in the back, though? <laughs> like that sorry card? Like, oh, I mean, how about Judas? How do you think Jesus felt? I mean, you know, he knew the prophecy. And how do you think he felt the day that Judas came with those people with swords and clubs? And they came out to kill Jesus. If you will, Judas eventually figured out how bad it was, what he had done, how horrible what he had done. But, you know, when you think about Judas standing before Jesus and Jesus says, will you betray me with a kiss? And the time that Judas said to Jesus when he said, um, uh, is it now that you're about to do what you're about to do? And when the apostles were asking, who is it that's going to offend you? And, and the fact that Judas would say, surely it's not I, right? And looked him right in his face and said that to him. How terrible, right? Verse, verse 3. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. And listen to what he said. Saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? See, to that yourself. You see, Judas knew from the very beginning that he was wrong. You ever, you ever been there? I don't know if you've been there before. Where, you, where you're doing something, you know it's wrong. You, you might even know it's wrong from the very beginning. But you go through with it. Right? Look. God, God expects us, sometimes you gotta, you got to take a step back and reevaluate your life, right? Think about the direction that you're going into, right? Let's go to 3 John, please, just for a moment. So, so here's the goal. The goal of, of the game, right? This isn't the end game, but it's the goal of this game. The goal of the game is to, uh, to be the first one to get all of your pieces, right, from home, if you will, from the start place all the way home. But you know, um, in Christ, that's not how we're supposed to be. That might sound weird, but it's not really how we're supposed to be. See, in Christ, it's a different kind of uh, race that we're running. And sometimes we get it mixed up. And I want to talk about this for just a moment. There's two things to think about. One is, I guess I could ask the question, who has the preeminence in your life? I mean, I, I know it's, oh, Christ. Sometimes that's not true. Sometimes we're like, it's like we're playing a game. And, and I, I have the preeminence in my life. It's all about me, right? And so then, as I, as I live through life and I walk through life, I'm willing to bump everybody, send everybody back to start. I'm knocking everybody over so that I can be first. That's, that's not how we live in Christ. That's not what Jesus teaches us, right? There was a man, Diotrephes. Third John, verse 9. I wrote something to the church. But Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. For this reason, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does unjustly, accusing us with wicked words, and not satisfied with this, neither does he himself receive the brethren. He forbids those who desire to do so and puts them out of the church. Wow. <laughs> this man's got some issues, Right? And I wonder how many followers he had. You don't do, that's not, that's not what this is about. The guy loved to be first. 
Verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil is not seen God. Christ. Colossians 1, please. Colossians 1, verse 18. Christ must have the preeminence. Right? He's the one. I want to show you how we run the Christian race and in just a second. Christ has the preeminence. He's number one, the first in all things. He is, verse 18, also the head of the body of the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. So in my life, Christ must have first place, which means sometimes, maybe it's more often, I've got to step back and reevaluate my life. That's all right, right? Step back and kind of reevaluate things and question myself and check myself. Romans, please, chapter 14. So here's what Satan does, even in the church. Let's talk about what happens in the church. So, so Saul later becomes a member of the church, and they've got to figure out how to, how to deal with Saul, how to love him the way that God loves him, right? Um, they've got to figure out what they're going to do with Saul. And in Romans 14, in verse 13, the Bible says, Therefore let, not, let no one judge, excuse me, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, right? Let just, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Now, that's, that's some purposeful living, isn't it? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So think about for just a moment that, that instead of in this game where I'm, I'm okay with bumping you and sending you back to start, but in Christ, that's not what, I'm not okay with that. In Christ, I don't ever want to be a stumbling block for my brethren, right? I want to help the brethren to get to heaven, right? It's a different kind of race in Jesus, right? Hey, listen to verse 30, uh, 31. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether then you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. I'm trying not, I'm trying not to cause people to lose their souls. Right? That means I, I have to make some sacrifices sometimes. Luke 17. Not in the game. In the game you don't make sacrifices. In the game you, you go out to win, right? Some might say, I'm going out for blood. Right? In the game. But not, not in Christ. In Christ it's about how may I Help, how may I serve, rather than how may I be served. Right? It's a little bit different, isn't it? Look at Luke 17, verse 1. And he said to his disciples, It is inevitable that stumbling blocks should come, but woe to him through whom they come. See, and that's a scary verse. That causes me to live my life differently and think about things a little clearly. Okay, where am I in Christ? And what am I doing exactly? Listen to verse 2. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea that he should cause one of these little ones to stumble. So God does not want us to trip the guy next to us so we can win the race. That's not what he's asking us to do. Now watch how this race is won. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is how the race is won and this is how the race is run. Right? It's both won and it's run this way. Verse 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? 
run in such a way that you may win. So brother might say, oh, okay. See, that's why when my brother's next to me and we're running and both tired, that's why I'm going to trip him so I can win, right? <laughs> no. That's why I'm going to, you know, use that sorry card on him when he's right at the end so I can send him back to start. No, that's not how we run the race. Verse 25 says, And everyone who competes in the game exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. And you see, when God gives an imperishable wreath, that means that my brother and I can hold hands and cross the finish line together. And we both win, right? That's what it is in Jesus. We run together to the satisfaction of God. Therefore, verse 26, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I buffet my body. Notice what you have to do. You got to work on self, right? I'm working on me. I buffet my body and make it my slave, lest if possible after I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. Well, that'd be a tough one, wouldn't it? Spend all your life as a preacher trying to be first, right? Bumping people, knocking people over, and misheaving yourself, right? So, the, ter- the, the title, sorry. This is not a part of the game to actually um, say I'm sorry, right? Re- repentance isn't a part of the game, but, but it is a part of the, of the Christian life. Turn to Second Corinthians, please. See, what I love about being a Christian is this. It's okay to start over. Is that, is that all right? It's okay. In other words, I'm going the wrong direction. And then I realize I'm wrong. And I stop. And I reevaluate. And then I start over. But I don't start over without first saying, I'm sorry. All the people I've hurt. Can you imagine as a preacher? It's one of the things that preachers just dread and just pray. Never happens. And number one, we never lead anyone astray. And, and number two, we never go through life without saying, I'm sorry. Right? You can't do that. You can't, we can't say we're not. We don't believe we're perfect, but then act like you are. Right? I mean, you have to be humble in your relationship with humanity and with, and with God. This young man, I told, we talked about this a few weeks ago. This young man was caught. Uh, sleeping with his father's wife in First Corinthians, chapter chapter five. In chapter two of Second Corinthians, he comes back, and the, and the text says, "Receive him back as as if he never went astray." You know, Re- reaffirm your love is what the text says. Reaffirm your love for this for this brother, and then he starts talking about this idea of repentance. Second Corinthians chapter seven and verse nine. And now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, in order that you might not, excuse me, that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation but the sorrow of the world produces death. And here's what Satan doesn't want. He doesn't want us to say, I'm sorry. Satan wants us to be so proud of ourselves and so proud of, of life and so proud of people that we stum- make stumble. And 
but never proud to say sorry. We should be proud to say sorry, right? That's what makes us different. Humility. You know, I, I thought I had it right, but brother, I, I had it all wrong. So here's what happens. Here's Satan's greatest enemy. Christians saying, I'm sorry. Repenting. The world saying, I'm sorry. Repenting and coming to God or coming back to God. So imagine this, if you will. We're going to Zechariah. Imagine this. Just I'm about to let you go in just a moment. But imagine that uh, you're standing before God and, and Satan's there and, and he has out his book. In his book, he's got all your stuff. <laughs> yeah, all right, Tony. I got you. I mean, yeah, you really, not only did you blow it here, you really blew it. And he starts writing, he's got this list of stuff and he's ready to present it before God. I'm standing before God and I'm, and I'm guilty. Would y'all all say you're guilty if you stand before God? Right? We are, aren't we? I mean, I think we should all say, yeah, I'm, yeah, we're guilty. Right? What are we depending on? Not my righteousness. Right? We're depending on the blood of Jesus. That's what we're depending on. Right? We want God to see not me, but see Jesus and then see me in Jesus. Right? And so Satan's standing there, though, and he's got this book open. He's like, okay, here we go, Father. I got Jesus. I got all kinds of stuff against this guy. This guy has, this guy's blown it. Right? He's got, he's got some people out there that he's hanging. Let, let me talk to you about. And then, and you, and you don't know what to say except, yeah, I blew it. But aren't you glad that in Christ you don't have to say a word? <laughs> I mean, live your life in this life so that in the next life, when you stand before God, you won't have to say a word on Judgment Day, right? So, so think about how depressing this must be for Satan. He's going to lose again. Listen to verse 1. You've read it before. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Yes. Yes, Satan. Turn to 1 John 1, please. And we're getting ready to close. Yes, Satan. This, this man, you're right. He, he is guilty. He's, he's made many mistakes. He's, he's messed up many times. But you know what? He's willing to say, I'm sorry. He repented. And you know what I did? I forgave him. And now I don't remember what you're talking about. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? See, that's how we run the race in Christ. We just, we just run the race, and, and when we have the oopsies in our lives, we have the sins in our lives, you just step back for a moment, reevaluate. Don't be proudful, prideful. Say, I'm sorry. Repent. Make it right with God. Make it right with your brethren. Just be humble, right? See, I'm not going to get me into heaven. Christ is going to get me into heaven. Isn't that great? See, I love that, right? I love the relationship that we can have with God because in this life on my tombstone is not going to say, you know, that Tony did great works. I just wanted to say Tony won, right? And the reason why I won was because of Jesus. That's all, right? Listen, God is faithful. God is faithful. So on our positive note, in closing this lesson out, and this is the end game for Satan. How frustrating. He loses again. To say I'm sorry to the point of repentance actually does send us back home. It sends us back to perfection because God washes that sin away. Isn't that great? And all the sins. And he says I'm faithful. Verse 9, please. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Right? Hmm. I don't make him a liar. Right? His word's in me. Right? But it's through humility. Right? Not through pride. God says, I'll forgive you. And you know what Satan has done? And then we'll close. What Satan has done is, I've mentioned it since I've been here, and I still need to work on my lesson. The Isle of Shame. Right? Oh no. Don't you go down there to the brethren and say you're sorry. Don't go down there and say you messed up. Don't tell the brethren you need help. God said, I need you to do that. I want to save you. Right? But we got to make it easy. Let me tell you, church. If a person comes forward, and this is kind of a reprimand. Receive it gently, please. If a brother comes forward or a sister and repents, why do you go out the back door? Why don't you come down here and hug them? And say, praise God, you came home. Why don't we do that? Why don't we just go on about our business as if nothing happened? Don't you realize that someone that was dead or lost or hurting or injured has found the strength to come forward to their brethren and say, dear brothers, I need your help. And how many of us go still the other way? We ought not do that, I don't think. I'm not sure that's how Jesus wants us to do this. Remember, we're not competing against each other. We're trying to do this together. All right, right, we close. John 2, 1 John 2, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Let Let me just say something real quick. You say, wait a minute, but preacher... You, you get up and go to the back. Oh, but I catch them before they go. I just want to throw that out there to you. Right? I thought about that. I was like, wait a minute. You do the same thing. No, not really. I mean, <laughs> I make sure. That's my goal. I catch them. I catch them before they go. We can get up and go around, but make sure you catch them before they go. Ooh, I was almost in trouble on that one, right? It's all right to say. It's all right. It's all right. Let's close out. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Thank God. Ain't God good? All right, so thank you for your time tonight and your kind attention. The game of sorry, yeah. You know, there's one more point I want to make, and so what I'm going to do, Lord willing, I'll, I'll make it next week. We're having worship in the evening after the lectureship, so it'll be a shorter, a shorter preacher. He'll, he'll do it. I've been thinking about that as I've been developing that lesson. Preacher, you got to keep this short. We'll keep it short. But one more lesson from the game of sorry, Lord, what on next week. Tonight, is there something you need to say sorry about? Maybe not here. Maybe you need to go home to your husband. Maybe you need to go home to your wife. Maybe you need to go get go to your children. Maybe your next door neighbor, maybe your friends, your co-workers, I don't know, someone. Is there someone that you need to say sorry to? First, say sorry to God. And then go make it right with them. The lesson is yours. Thank you for your time. If we can help in any way, please come. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation. I am